0: In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, we're back. Since last time we talked, Badgers signed their recruiting class. 14 kids, scholarship kids, I should say, number of walk ons as well. They did that on Wednesday. We got an opportunity to chat with assistant coaches on Wednesday. We also got a chance to chat with the uh, offense players on Thursday and defensive players back on Tuesday. So a lot of information coming in, Jesse. Probably uh, the most information in a single week that we've uh, had probably since August, which was fun, right?
1: Uh, I don't know what world I'm living in, but I'm absolutely loving it. I've got so many stories to write, and uh, that's <laughs> why we're doing a second show this week.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's great. ton of information to get to. I think uh, we should start probably, uh, let's start with, let's start with Tuesday. Well, I think we'll go chronologically here. Uh, Tuesday, we got to talk to the defensive players, and I thought that there were a couple notable aspects coming out of that, specifically Keanu Benton coming back.
1: Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge deal. Ultimately, um, when he was asked what would make you leave, he said a first round grade, and that's, Quite likely not going to happen. I think he's the type of kid who's in a good position where he can come back for another year. He can be dominant and show NFL scouts why he deserves to climb up that board. But for Wisconsin's defensive line, uh, tremendous news for the defense overall because we know they're losing Matt Henningson and they're going to be losing Bryson Williams. But everybody else is going to be back. So this is going to be Benton's time to shine even more.
0: I know that there were some that said he didn't actually say he was coming back and, and that's, uh, he said he was thinking to come back. And then everything that he said after that was pointed towards coming back. And then on Wednesday, we got to talk with Ross Colagi, and he confirmed that he was coming back. So I'm, I'm comfortable there that he is, uh, coming back. And and unless that first round grade comes, (laughs) comes, which again, I think he's really talented kid. I think he's underrated, but a, a first round grade, probably not likely. Uh, the other two guys that, I think have decisions to make that we were talking with on, on Tuesday. One was Leo Chanel and Fayon Hicks. Uh, Fayon Hicks still says he hasn't decided on whether to return for his sixth year, said he'll make that decision afterwards. I think some people thought the move by Keelan Gerving to uh, decommit from Wisconsin and end up at Kansas may have been an idea of which way he was leaning, but uh, they have nothing on that yet. So we'll see what he says, but uh, we were all there for Leo Chanel He said he uh, has not made a decision. He'll make a decision at the bowl game. He's focused on the bowl game. Did you get a feel one way or the other, which way he's leaning?
1: I really didn't. I thought he handled himself like a pro um, in terms of answering those questions. He's he's going to address all of that after the season. He's put his name in like all these guys do when they're in this position with the NFL Draft Advisory Board. I asked him whether – because the way that's set up, they tell you either – I'm not mistaken, it's like your first round grade, your second or third round, and then it's come back to school. What would it take for you to leave? And for him, it's not, I have to be this number. So, I mean, with hearing that, it makes me think, well, then he's, maybe he's going to leave, but he also acknowledged that the defense could have a chance to be special next season. He would certainly be the leader of that unit again. I don't know. I think it's a, it's a tough spot to be in because can you, can you have a better year? I suppose you could be the Big Ten linebacker of the year for a second time and then be a first-team All-American instead of a second-team All-American. But now I I really don't get a sense of – he didn't give us a sense of of what he's going to do. I will say, if you're looking for – and this is the time of year, approaching the time of year where you're picking apart people's games, he's excellent as a pass rusher. He's one of the top pass rushers in the country, particularly as a linebacker, his overall defensive grade. But as we've discussed before, his pass coverage skills – leave something to be desired. And I asked whether that would be something that would factor into his decision. And he acknowledged that. Yeah. I think he said he was pretty bad in past coverage this year. So that if he were to take that into consideration, that that's something he would, he would factor in, but he didn't give us one way or the other. I I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves though.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either. I was a little surprised when ESPN put out their player rankings, uh, their, their draft board. I I think it's uh, yeah. I mean, I think Todd McShay plays a big role in that and uh, there, there are obviously a host of others but they had him ranked as the 237th best player available potentially for the NFL draft that was sixth
1: among Badgers it seems low I don't yeah know, I don't know too, <laughs> well, I feel like this happens a lot with Wisconsin players particularly defensively I don't It's one of those situations where, and I mean, obviously I'm not a pro scout. I'm not in those rooms, an NFL evaluator of talent, but Wisconsin just has dudes that make plays, throw on the tape, watch them get 15 tackles, watch them make big plays in critical junctures. That stuff translates TJ Edwards, for example, Uh, all the comments about what he maybe wasn't as an NFL player. Watch the tape. The dude is making plays every week when he's at Wisconsin it's sort of the same deal with Chanel. So I I think he's going to have an opportunity to stick whether he decides to leave this year or, or next year, those numbers, I, I don't know what to make of them.
0: I wonder if TJ Edwards, TJ Edwards is a bit of a cautionary tale for Leo because he in 2017 was an all American, you know, yep. almost across the board and he came back in 2018 and was not, and he ended up going undrafted. And I don't, now he's obviously played a, a big role for Philadelphia this year and I think has proven that he should have definitely been drafted somewhere. But, you know, had he come out after 2017, maybe it's a different situation. Maybe he, he does get drafted. And I know the money getting to a second contract is, is obviously the most important thing. You know, the, the, there's not a ton of money if you're like a fourth or fifth round pick. But still, I think there's, there's something to that. And undrafted guys is not easy to make a roster. And I'm not saying Leo's going to go undrafted. I don't think he will. I think he's got an upside. And I, and again, I think I, we've talked about this before. I don't necessarily think he's a a, a three-down linebacker in the NFL if he's going to be playing inside. Now, if, if they want to move him to outside and potentially just be a pass rusher, I think he could be uh, a very good one because he can stop the run. I think he can set the edge even at, what, he, I think he's listed at 260. I think he could probably put on some more if he wanted to just based on his... Uh, ability in the uh in the weight room but i don't know I, I i didn't get a feel one way or the other but i do think that the his acknowledgement of his limitations or his not so great play uh, with the pass as you said would kind of give you a little bit of a a hope that he may return
1: but yeah i, I think so too um because it's i don't know it was a glaring weakness the the <laughs> right way to put it i mean he i, I don't want to I don't want to take away from how fabulous he's been this season. Cause he, he has been dominant at times. But again, if if you're an NFL team and you're going to be paying all this money to players and making decisions that affect your, your life and, and your family and all that, you want to make sure you're getting guys that are going to give you exactly what you need. And, and if there are areas that he feels like he can improve on, that is part of why you come back. And some of it would also be, I think that he, the way he put it, that he feels like the defense can be pretty special next season. And clearly he would be, uh, one of the best players in the country, One certainly one of the best linebackers in the country. And he's an in-state kid. And you just wonder how much that stuff will matter to him if he feels like, well, the NFL is going to be there for me next year and I can just be with my brothers one more time. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, we're going to get a decision here, obviously, pretty soon, I imagine, after that bowl game.
0: Yeah, for sure. So uh, I think that there were some other worthwhile things that were talked about on Tuesday, but they were kind of the young guys. And uh, I, I'd like to get that. To that a little bit later in the show. So let's jump ahead to Thursday. I, I lied. We're not going to go chronologically because I want <laughs> to do the I want to do the recruiting class together and the young guys together. So we'll we'll go to Thursday and we got a chance to talk with um uh players as well uh Graham Mertz, Braylon Allen and then a host of others. I, I think it's worth noting there were the uh, there's three offensive linemen senior offensive linemen across the front I got a chance to talk to uh, just one of them, that being Josh Seltzer. He has decided that he will not be coming back for a sixth year. All these, these, these three seniors have an opportunity to do so. Uh, He said he will not be coming back for a sixth year. I don't blame him. He's an all big 10 player. He's going to go train for the draft and and try and go from, from a, be the latest walk on Wisconsin player to uh, end up in the NFL. And he's obviously got a very good chance. Uh, Logan Bruss told reporters that he, Uh, will not be back as well. And then there's Tyler Beach uh, who had an up and down, I guess, season you would say at left tackle. He has uh, not decided what he is going to do yet. Do you think he comes back? Or do you think that's a good thing for them?
1: I think he comes back. I'm inclined to say yes. um, Just because I think this was a challenging year for him. And if you've got a free year and, and you feel like you've got more football and better football to play, I won't be surprised if he does decide to return. Now, I will say on, uh, on Wednesday, and I'm, I'm since we're out of chronological order anyway, when I was talking to Joe Rudolph, and I imagine you asked him the same question, uh, you have three seniors and they can make a decision. He, he didn't want to say anything. He said he knew what, what they were going to do, but he was going to let them declare that on their own time. Um, I don't know. I just think I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler came back. Guess I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other, and I don't know how Badger fans feel about that because there's a lot of really great tackles in the pipeline. But um, another one of those guys we're going to be waiting on, I suppose, until after the bowl game. Well, I mean,
0: Joe, I, I didn't get a. He knows what they're going to do. He's if he if he knows already, then I would have to say Tyler's gone because why would Tyler not just say I'm coming back?
1: Maybe he wants to put the focus on the bowl. I, everybody does it on their own time. I don't know. I mean. I don't know one way or the other what he's going to decide, but certainly this year I, I think it was definitely, as you said, up and down. And I don't know if he'd whether whether he would want to go out on a on a better note.
0: I did talk to Nolan Rucci, and I was talking about him because I was asking him about you know potentially competing for the starting job with Logan Brown and Riley Mallman. And uh, he goes, "Well, yeah, I don't know if he's like I don't think he's made a decision yet." when I was talking about competing for his job. So we'll see. I don't know. I know that there are based on Twitter replies, uh, certainly some people that would like to see uh, beach move on, but I think he uh, probably got a little bit more, eh. there were some bad moments, but I think there were a lot of really good moments for him and the offensive line in general this year. And so that's the breakdown of potentially guys coming back and, and going so Keanu Benton's back, obviously, Andy, Andy Ruvnovich has said that he's coming back, the punter, and then Colin Larsh coming back as well. So you have three so far that are planning to do, uh, or I should say two they are planning to take advantage of that, of a sixth year, and then obviously uh, Keanu, who's going to come back for his true senior season. Let's get into the recruiting class a little bit, Jesse. Uh, Wisconsin signed 14 kids. There has been a lot of hand-wringing and a lot of uh, complaining and a lot of uh, bellyaching about the class uh, throughout this entire process because it, coming off a uh, class or the last two classes that have been the best in school history, this one ranking wise, overall ranking wise, has not looked very good. Uh, they, at one point on, uh, on Wednesday were ranked 13th in the big 10 and uh, right around 48th, uh, 49th, maybe I think is where it got to at one point on Wednesday, according to the uh, composite 24 seven ranking. So it wasn't great. They got a huge commitment late in the day from Isaac ham, the defensive, uh, I guess lineman slash linebacker from Sun Prairie, uh, four-star kid, the top-rated defensive player in the state. He announces his commitment to Wisconsin late in the uh, late that night. I believe you were there, so we'll get your thoughts on that. And then, uh, obviously, they got the top offensive player in the state, Joe Brunner. There are some misses in there, but overall, I think when you look at uh, – because it's such a small class, when you look at the actual average ranking for the, the kids themselves, it's actually – I believe they ranked – sixth in the Big Ten, according to those composite rankings. Not necessarily at the level they were at last year, but certainly not something that uh, is an all-time bad recruiting class by any stretch in Wisconsin history.
1: No, not at all. And certainly some of this has to do with the fact that Wisconsin only has 14 signed players right now. This is not a 20-player class. And this was probably, you know, it's tough because the last three classes, they set records every year in terms of the highest-rated recruiting class. they. Cracked the top 15 last year they've been in the top 30 for three straight years that's going to be tough to do when you've got 14 players and I think there's still a couple that could be added I think the other thing to consider is that the transfer portal is there and you have to imagine Wisconsin is going to make some moves there particularly considering that the one guy they had Kalen Gervin flipped and is at Kansas so I don't think they're done just yet but they got some quality players you mentioned they got Joe Brunner that's huge. Cause he's the number one player in the class, in the class from the state. And then obviously Isaac ham, but I think they've got guys that, you know, the, the coaches will talk about how good they fit and stuff like that. And fans may not want to hear that, but I think of someone like the tight end that they got JTC Greaves, This is a classic Wisconsin situation. Somebody who was not really on the radar and recruiting his only other scholarship offer was Illinois state. And, I will say that in in talking to the coaches, and as you mentioned, we had a chance to talk to basically all the assistant coaches. He is the one guy that just pops up immediately about how blown away the coaches were by this dude. Mickey Turner said that Seagreaves ran a 4.60 40-yard dash time at the camp, which he said was the best a tight end has ever run at a Wisconsin camp, and Seagreaves was pissed off because he had run in the 4.5s before. And, and he said that guys like that that run times like that, they're – you know, wide receivers or defensive backs. And Joe Rudolph said he was, he was the best guy he'd seen in a camp at that position in a long time. So like, those are the types of players that Wisconsin is able to get when it comes to camps. And I think that's why the opportunity to see these guys in person this year was such a big deal, but someone that he's not going to show up on the, on the recruit, like he is the lowest rated recruit in the 2022 class. And yet I think he could be one of those guys down the road that you say, that's a steal. That's kind of what Wisconsin does. I mean, they still go out and get some quality guys, even a Kurt Neal, uh, no, a guy who's going to come in and play nose guard. His two official visits were Wisconsin and Ohio state. So it sort of run the gamut this year. They, they've got guys that were the in-state guys that didn't have a ton of looks, but they also went out and got some players that could have gone just about anywhere.
0: I thought it was interesting to hear Mickey, like the commitment that Seagreaves had in coming to camp, right? Like he said that, uh, he uh, got his because he's a, a track guy and he was pr- tr- uh, running or I should say practicing for the state meet and they had practice at a certain time, but the camp was at a certain time and he wanted to go to camp so bad that he managed to get the practice time for the entire team back in Monroe changed <laughs> so that so that he could take part in the camp in Madison. And obviously it paid off. He did absolutely everything they said he would uh, like he'd be hunched over out of breath couldn't do anymore and Mickey be like you need a break he's like no coach I'm good I'm good and he would just keep going so I think like it rubbed off like what his personality what he was able to do on the field at Camp Randall was very impactful I think on this coaching staff as, as you clearly uh, illustrated as well so yeah I mean Mickey was asked like uh, someone asked him if he was like a boomer bus product because he is a guy that has kind of came out of nowhere right like there were other tight ends in this state that are going to play at Iowa and going to play at Iowa state. Like there are some really good players, some really good tight ends um, that they were on. And then all of a sudden Seagreeves came along and they dropped those, all those other guys and went all in on him. So this is, was it a little bit of a boomer bust product? And he said, no, I think he's got absolutely everything that you would want. Like he's got all the tools, but it's not just, he like, he's a smart kid. I think he said he got like a 31 on the ACT. Uh, he he asks questions like he wants to know why he's doing certain things, and so I think that there's a there's a lot of upside here, and and I, but I don't think it's necessarily a boomer bust pick either. He feels confident that he's going to be able to, not maybe not like there's no confidence in being a star, but there's confidence in him being a productive person on that team, especially because they ask the tight end to do so many different things.
1: There's a lot of projecting, obviously, that is involved in recruiting, and one of the things, and I think you can see this every year but it caught my attention this year too that the coaching staff really values is versatility and athleticism and guys who play multiple sports not the first time that paul christ or coaching staff has said this before but you look at Seagreaves and he did a lot of things on the football field you talked about he's an outstanding track and field performer runs the 100 the 200 high drum does relays he's a great basketball player was an all-region basketball player so i think that has a lot to do with a lot to do with it in terms of the upside and the athleticism but yeah I, this coaching staff this is what they do for a living they evaluate players and Mickey said that Seagreaves came back for a second camp and Turner was basically trying to take it easy on him he just needed to see a couple of things and JT was like no I, I'm he, Turner said he's not afraid to fail you you want me to line up and play one on one we'll do one on one coverage against the safety let me go beat him let me go match up against the best linebacker put me into the blocking drill so obviously his camp performance really really impressed the coaching staff and so to me if you're looking for a sleeper pick in the class i think he's the guy simply because of how highly these coaches speak of him and we're not we're not on signing day going to hear coaches talk about shortcomings for players but just the effusive praise that they had for this kid and why it was that they made him the guy it really stood out to me
0: all right, so some of the other offensive guys that yep. uh, th- that you had uh, a chance to ask about. Uh, fill in the blank here. Mo- the, the, the player, uh, other than Seagrees, the player I'm most intrigued by is?
1: Among the, the offensive guys? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm intrigued. There's a couple of them. But I, I, Cade Iacomelli, the, the kid that we just had on our show for the uh, signing day edition of the camp, I'm intrigued by him because we don't know what position he's going to play. Now, he, he told us that Joe Rudolph had uh, spoke to him recently and said that the staff was leaning toward putting him at running back. But I asked Paul Christ on, on Wednesday, and it was right on the tip of his tongue. It was like he was going to give us a real answer, and he stopped short and said, I don't know, <laughs> but it's probably going to be wide receiver or running back. I actually think that maybe Iacamele is the type of a kid that they see as a Garrett Groshek type, like a third down type of running back, um, at least initially maybe. Um, so, just someone who is coming in as an athlete that you don't know his position—that is intriguing. And Tommy McIntosh, I think the wide receiver, because I think among particularly the offensive guys, if, if you were to ask me who's got a chance to play early among this group, I think it could be him because he's got a skill set that is unique. He's six foot five, which is the, what Elvis Wooded wants. He wants to get a bigger type of receiver in here. He's a long strider. He can make plays down the field and when it feels like he's got the athleticism that he's not going to bulk up and turn into a tight end. And Miles Burkett, the quarterback, the in-state quarterback who had a magical senior season led Franklin to a state championship. I want to see what he can do. I don't know that that's something we're going to see immediately, sort of like Deacon Hill, where we never really had a chance to see him in his freshman year. Although we did finally talk to him this week. <laughs> Those are the guys that intrigue me the most right now. Joe Brunner is just you know what you're going to get. Ru- Rudolph said what he loves most about him is he's going to get in there and just knock the snot out of dudes. He is nasty. Um, and I think we'll see him down the road too.
0: All right, let's flip over to the other side of the ball. There are uh, a number of um, highlight players, but let's start with the guy who really gave this class of jolts late Wednesday night. That is Isaac ham yeah. out of some, out of some Prairie was down to, uh, I mean, there, there were a number of obviously programs uh, after him. A lot of big time programs. And a four star recruit. Wisconsin gets him. Why Wisconsin for Isaac Ham? Jesse,
1: I honestly don't think there was really. I think it was always going to be Wisconsin. Like it's very easy to, to get caught up in some of these schools. The name of the school. You look at what his Final Four was, and the other three were Ohio State, Penn State, and I believe, uh, was it Notre Dame? Yeah. Um, just want to double check myself but he said like he strongly considered penn state and notre dame when those schools first offer him and ohio state that situation was he never officially had a scholarship offer from the buckeyes so even though his final two was wisconsin and ohio state i think it was always going to be wisconsin um and i I had a chance to talk to to his dad as well and one of the things that stood out i mean the two guys that the last meeting that the coaches had with him. It was Paul Christ and it was Chris Herring, who's the, obviously the lead in-state recruiter. They met up with him last week, and that sort of, um, I think, reminded Isaac why he wanted to be a part of Wisconsin's program. You know how those coaches are. They, they talk football, but oftentimes it winds up being a discussion about everything else. And he just saw himself as a really good fit here. Now, I think he's got an opportunity to come in as an outside linebacker. They've already got two de- defensive linemen signed in the class. But just one of those kids that you, you certainly wouldn't want to lose, especially considering that there have been a couple in that so-called super six that have already left. I think it's a really big pickup. He played both. He played this season. He was dominant, and he had a torn labrum in both shoulders. He says he's going to get surgery on his left shoulder. Doesn't think he needs surgery on the right and expects to be ready to go for fall camp. But I think this is obviously a very big pickup for the Badgers.
0: Yeah. Uh, Braylon Allen talked yesterday about, about high ham hand because he <laughs> remember all the way back the, before even uh, this must've been last spring, I don't know. Braylon challenged Isaac to a, a liftoff and whoever yeah. lost. And if, and if he lost, he had to commit to Wisconsin. He lost and he did not commit to Wisconsin, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but Braylon Braylon said all along that he uh, felt that he was going to be at Wisconsin. And he, uh, he told him last week, apparently that that's where he was going to be. Apparently he wished him a happy birthday, Isaac uh, Braylon and wished Isaac Ham a happy birthday last week. And, and that's when he uh, found out that he was going to be committing to Wisconsin. So it, it, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be the case. It was just a matter of, of when, right?
1: Yeah, I definitely, I, I, I mean, I've been talking to Isaac through this for the last year or two, as a lot of people probably have as well. And it just always seemed like Wisconsin was at the top, but the thing was, even though he's from sun Prairie, he didn't have an opportunity to visit campus. Um, hadn't been there before, uh, that's he insane a, to me. a recruit. And then that's they've ins- got the. Oh well, yeah. It's, it's, it is insane. That's but- insane to me. Like what <clears throat> y-
0: you play football, <laughs> y- you're literally like 10 minutes, 15 minutes from the stadium. You're, you're 10 to 15 minutes from the campus. Like, and there's not just like uh, about football, but just going downtown in Madison, like uh, what, why would you not have spent yeah. any time down there?
1: Everybody has, I suppose, different priorities, but that's the thing is there was that 15 month stretch where nobody could come here. And that, that made it challenging. Uh, to move this process along and a lot of other schools came in and were recruiting him, but but it's funny. You were talking about the the lifting competition. I think it was last October in 2020 and the competition was, it was the total number of bench press reps at 225 pounds and then squat reps at 405 pounds. I believe Braylon finished with 30 and Isaac finished with 28, but Isaac actually said when we were talking to him after his commitment decision, Braylon was the first player that he told and he he said that part of the reason he told him was because they had that bet that he never (laughs) came through on. So he told Braylon, Hey, your bet still stands, and I'll be keeping my end of it. The only two players that he told uh, were Braylon and then Miles Burkett. Um, they played each other in the state championship. And he said, even during the, like before the state championship game, where they, they met on the field, and Isaac was sort of hinting at the fact that he was going to come to Wisconsin. So I think this has been a long time coming. And as I said, a, a big time pickup for the Badgers because you may or may not agree with the star rating system, but that's their second four star player. The two that they have are from the state it's Brunner and it's Ham as of now. As of
0: now, yeah. The other guy that still hasn't made a decision, Carson Hinsman, and he will not be making a decision here in this early signing period. He, he said that uh, he will not be signing. What is today? Friday? Yes. So they, uh, they have three days to sign in this period, right? Like it's the uh, 15th, 16th, 17th, um, and he will not be signing. So uh, that will not be happening until signing day the normal sighting day in February. Uh but we didn't get a, you didn't get a chance to ask the assistant coaches about Ham because he had not yet committed at the time that right. we got a chance to talk to him. So some other defensive players, I'm gonna I asked you most the player you're most intrigued in on, on uh, offense, uh I'll, I'll ask you for the defensive side of the ball player you're most intrigued by.
1: is a good question i okay so i'm gonna go with austin brown yeah um this goes back to that whole idea of versatility and i mean the intrigue is where well where are they gonna put him or what can they do with him and thing about austin is i mean he played all over the field in high school he was his team's quarterback as a junior um he can catch passes he can run the ball he was a great safety And it was funny because Jim Leonard was asked about Austin, about whether there was going to be coaches fighting over to get him on offense. And Leonard sort of cut the question off. He was smiling and he said, he's a damn safety quit. Just stop. He's talented enough, but we don't need to go that route again. Obviously last year with Braylon Allen coming in, he was going to be a defensive player and now he's the, the top running back on the team. But I think Austin is, is the first one that jumps out to me because of what a talented player he is. And you know, we know that they're going to be losing some safeties here. Colin Wilder, Scott Nelson, and there's a pretty obvious top three, I think with John Torchio, Travion, Blaylock and Hunter Waller at least in my mind. And so I just wonder, can Austin come in and, and, and do some damage early on. But I think there's a lot of guys on deep on defense in particular, they may not jump out at you in terms of the star ratings and stuff like that, but they can do a lot of different things. Um, I mean, even the couple of cornerbacks that they have, like Hank Poteet really likes those guys. Um, and Avion Jones is one of those guys that they feel like can play any position in the secondary. He can be a corner, he can be the nickel guy, he can play safety, and that's what they're looking for. They want that type of versatility, and Poteet likes the fact that both of his corners, Akori Lide is the other guy. They did a lot of different things on the field. Lide was returning kicks. Um, I will say they've got two guys defensively, Corey Lide, the cornerback, and then Kurt Neal, uh, who's going to come in as a nose guard they had ACL tears. So Neil didn't even play at all in his senior year. And I think lied hurt himself really early on. So, you know, there's a process with those guys. And then Paul Chris was asked about why he didn't over recruit or, or get insurance policies. And I thought that was actually one of the more illuminating answers that Paul gave about what their process is in recruiting that he talks about how when they extend an offer, it means something here. You have an offer on the table And it's not like these other schools that throw around offers. And when you get receive a commitment, that means something. And so he said that guys like that, if they extended an offer and then guys have accepted, even if they're injured, they're going to treat them like they're players in the program already. So I thought that was noteworthy just because you, you see what happens in recruiting. Nothing's official until a kid signs. And somebody can get hurt, and that can be the end of it. But at Wisconsin, they were willing to take those guys, even though they've got ACL tears and couldn't really participate as seniors.
0: Yeah, Austin Brown. I believe Elvis Wood had said he has a man crush on him.
1: He like definitely he, does.
0: <laughs> so, but yes, I think maybe Jim Leonard wins this one. Cause he, he lost obviously Braylon Allen. He's looks like he's going to lose Cade Giacomelli. So yeah, you got to give him one, right? You got to give him, you got to I mean, give him, the
1: <laughs> you can't put everybody on offense. You got to have some players on defense. And yeah, I, I think Brown's going to wind up at safety. Giacomelli, I certainly feels like he's a, he's an offensive player at this point. And they yeah. made the right decision with Braylon Allen. He probably would have been good anywhere, but yes. man, what a they, running back.
0: Yes, <laughs> they made the, the definite right decision at running back. And yeah, we'll see. It's it's an interesting class I, I, for you personally, uh, yeah. not, not based on rankings or anything like that. On scale one to 10, you give the recruiting class a what?
1: Six. Ooh, um, okay. All right. I don't know. Why? I, why why, why Six. Well, I think it's a good class, and I think these guys are going to be impactful players down the road. I just, maybe it's just coming off the, it's comparative, I think. Like, I'm looking at the last three classes, and they just had guys who were, they could be immediate impact players. And I don't know how many of those I necessarily see. And that's, that's not, that's not a bad thing. I just, I don't know. I, well, I mean, let's that's be. That's the fair. number that came to mind. To be
0: fair, as, as good as that class was last year, how many did make an actual impact right away? One.
1: Now like I a true, like a true class.
0: Like a true impact. Braylon Allen, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, the, the fact that it was a veteran team coming back certainly played a role in that. But like, who else stood out to you? I mean, obviously, Hunter Waller got to play special teams, and um, Marcus Allen got a little bit of uh action here or there but like for the most part yeah i mean jackson acre got a little bit of time at you know but for the most part the 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 true freshman uh
1: didn't play a ton yeah that's a fair point zach i maybe i maybe i misspoke there but in general i just i mean it's a good class is it a great class no but i that's wisconsin has had a lot of success recruiting classes like this i don't know i mean you know that there's a couple in-state guys that were four-star players that chose to go elsewhere and it's not like that wisconsin did anything wrong but if it, if i'm gonna give them a higher number you get kids like that <laughs> right yes um all right and they haven't got carson hinsman yet so you know i think the number goes up if they get hinsman a four-star offensive lineman from in the state uh that's a big deal
0: it would it would be a big deal if they were able to uh to pull that one off um all right let's get into some of the younger players that we had a chance to ask about on Wednesday. uh i should say talk to and ask about uh, the, the the big one that the, the name that continues to come up and i think it's because uh, i don't know why why it is but uh you're gonna be right about them uh deacon hill yeah big arm i hear uh <laughs> per per everybody yeah. that uh you asked and and everybody that was asking about deacon hill Big, big arm from him.
1: That is definitely the first thing that comes up with anyone you ask. Multiple guys talked about, I think it was the same throw. It sounds like it was a bull prep throw where Deacon rolled out to his right. There was a defensive lineman barreling down on him and he threw off his back foot 50 yards, just like an absolute bullet. I was talking to Riley Malman and he was joking. We were in the, in the indoor practice facility And he talked about this. It's only 80 yards. We better renovate this thing because we've got Deacon Hill coming. And he's just talking about that. He can throw 60, 70 yard passes. And I mean, all that stuff is good. I think when you watched his film in high school, that's what you saw. But Deacon is certainly working to become much more than that. And I, I did have an opportunity to talk to Deacon at length, which was the first time that I've had that opportunity since he's been at Wisconsin. And he just talked about the adjustment that you have to make when you're a freshman quarterback here. And the, the, the most interesting thing was he said that because he's been the scout team quarterback every week, which is sort of a fun deal. Cause you get to be a different opponent every week. And you also get to go up against the best defense in the country with Wisconsin. So you're learning an awful lot, but that there are defensive formations and setups that he had never seen before that he had never heard before. Um, like he said, in high school, there's cover two cover three. It's pretty simple. And I think it's been a, a real learning process this year for him, but I think it's been a really good year for him. I don't know when we're going to have a chance to see him on the field, obviously, with Graham locking down the, the starting spot pretty early in his career. But I think there's a lot to be excited about with Deacon because he really can make all the throws. And, and this has been a really good year for his development.
0: It sounds like it. I feel like the bowl prep is probably the best opportunity for him, though, because you actually get to see him in the offense, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's really kind of the first time because every other week during the season, you're with the scout team and you're preparing and working as somebody else. So you can give the number one D a look.
0: Right. And, and in fall camp, you got a little bit of it. They would do young guy periods at the end of practice sometimes. And and that was essentially his only time. Because when we watched practice, during the time that we watched practice, he didn't get any reps in team for the most part. Like I, I right. don't recall. Like It was mostly, it, it was almost always Graham or Chase and then uh, a little sprinkle of Danny in there, and Deacon didn't really get an opportunity in, in, in like in the practice itself. So those those post-practice opportunities were pretty much it in terms of running the offense in 11-on-11 situations in practice. So, yeah, I think these bull prep practices are obviously significant for him. You mentioned t- talking to Riley Mallman. They have – we talked about last year's class and it being so good. The reason it was rated so highly largely was because of – what they're able to do on the offensive line, especially with yeah. Riley Maulman, with uh, Nolan Rucci and with JP Benchwall. And I asked uh, Joe Rudolph about all three of them. And, and he really spoke highly of Riley Mallman and what he was able to do coming in, how he got an opportunity to come in early. He was a mm-hmm. uh, early enrollee and allowed him to kind of get his feet wet and allowed him to, he actually ended up traveling a few times. He, uh, if you remember in fall camp, they were hurt so much at left tackle. He ended up having to be like the first team left tackle for a time. Which Joe Rudolph said was great for him. And, um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, if, if they were forced to put somebody out at left tackle, well, I don't know. If they were forced to put somebody out at left tackle right now, I think it's either Riley Mallman or Logan Brown.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I agree. Um, Riley and Nolan Rucci were the, the two, two of the guys that I talked to as well um, on Thursday. And, Again, this has been a really good year for Riley. He said he came in at 285. He's up to 305. Now, he came in in the spring, so he had a little bit longer time. But his goal this year was to get to that point. And he said maybe he can gain five more pounds or so for next season. But he was the number one tackle for a very brief period during fall camp because of injuries. And Nolan Rucci, when I was talking to him about – because – so I talked to – Rudy as well. And I actually asked him about every single scholarship offensive lineman that's going to be coming back. So for, for a story, since we haven't had a chance to talk to him. And you look, and there's 13 guys, the the seniors excluded, eight of them were four or five-star prospects in in high school. And, and those are two of the guys. And when I was talking to Nolan about it, he said, Yeah, I could have gone a lot of other places and played right away, but I wanted to come here and be challenged by the best players. And I think there's a lot of reason for excitement with the offensive line in the future, because of just how much talent is there. Now, both those guys are tackles. You can only play two at a time. I mean, they keep bringing in these incredible tackles. I guess the good news is that Rudy cross trains guys and potentially guys can play guard, but those two to me, uh, are the the tackles of the future for Wisconsin.
0: They are. And uh, obviously uh, JP Vengewall is working inside, but I asked about, about Riley Malman and, and Joe Rudolph said um, that uh, the guys really like him. Here's, here's a quote from him. our guys really liked him because he's tough and willing to stick his nose in there. And he's a little bit more strength as you, as you kind of mentioned, but um, and, and to keep training with the guys, I thought he made a lot of headway during the season knows he knows that it's going to be where he needs to put his biggest investment in the, in the weight room. So as soon as he, uh, I think, gets up strength-wise, I think he's got a, a chance to be a pretty good player. But you're right. Like, how do you fit these guys in? Because Logan Brown's still sitting there, and, and I got a chance to talk to him, and he was he still thinks he's got a very good chance to be, to be the starter next year. You know, we'll see where it goes with uh, with Tyler Beach, assuming he's there, uh, or whether he's there or not. But I think that these other two guys coming up, Hayden Ritchie and Ryan Malman, are going to push. And I, you know, if it doesn't happen this year for, for Logan Brown, it could be a problem for him to get on the field.
1: I think it will happen for Logan. That was another thing in talking to Ruby about Logan. Like when in fall camp, I remember writing a story about Logan about how he was coming along. He was starting to get more reps in practice and then he got hurt. And then we, the fall camp closes to reporters. So we really don't know what's going on, but, but Joe said that basically after fall camp, he was healthy enough. And he's been healthy, and that's the first time in his college career that he has been healthy. And so he likes the strides that Logan has made. And I, I think, if I had to pick, I think it'll be Logan, assuming Tyler decides to move on at left tackle. Um, but no question, whoever's there is going to be pushed because of how much talent there is. I mean, Riley Malman, I think, has had a pretty solid freshman season from what we've seen.
0: Yeah, and again, we all, all we have to go is all we have to go off is really these comments today or the other day, right? Like that's, that's essentially what we've seen. Um, What did, what did you get a sense of Nolan Rucci in in talking to him? I, it felt like even though he had not, like he wasn't, he didn't play, he he knew he wasn't going to play probably this year. Uh, I asked him if he still thought it was the right decision. And he said, absolutely. This has been everything that I've thought it was going
1: to be coming in. He's got a very mature approach, even though he's a freshman. This is a kid who's been on the radar of everyone since he was a high school freshman, basically. So you sort of get used to being in the spotlight and answering questions. But I think in general, he's just a super mature guy and he understands the big picture. It's exactly like I said, he knew he could have gone a lot of other places and played immediately, but he wanted to come here. There was something special about being coached by Joe Rudolph. There was something special about being around as talented as uh, an offensive lineman group as as you can have. And it's just part of the process. So he's taken this year to learn, to to understand what it's like to block defensive linemen like Matt Henningsen and Isaiah Mullins and um, just get better. There are not very many true freshmen that come into Wisconsin and play on the offensive line. It happens every once in a while. Um, But he's going to get there. But he understands that it doesn't happen right away.
0: Yeah, Riley was one of those guys that stood out uh, in terms of talking to people. Another one that has stood out is Marcus Allen. Uh, Absolutely. Got an an opportunity against Rutgers. I, I thought it was interesting. And, and we were both there talking to him at the same time that he was talking about how his confidence kind of took a bit of a hit yep. throughout the year, uh, middle of the year and, was, and got kind of down on himself and um, had to change things. And it was, it was kind of the, the Rutgers game was kind of the start of the change for him. And talking to Elvis Wooded on Tuesday, uh, RCA and Wednesday about him, he said, he's coming into his own. He's uh, starting to realize that uh, what he can do, and that he's taking advantage of his abilities and embracing it and uh, making plays on a regular basis and uh, has a real, it would seem has a real good chance to be that number two behind Chimray next year.
1: So he's another guy I'm going to be writing about here in the next week or so. And and that's where I stand too. I think he's going to, I think he's going to be the number two next year. I don't even need to see spring practice. Just call it right now. It just seems (laughs) like, it just seems like All the tools are there. We saw him on a very limited basis against Rutgers, and he wasn't just out there. The dude was making plays. Um, Sometimes I feel like when you look at a recruiting class and you watch their high school film, you can just tell there are certain guys that are probably going to be impact players earlier on. It doesn't always work out that way, but I felt like in the last recruiting class that Marcus was one of those guys. Because he's physical, he's he's 215 pounds, which is another thing that I think helps him stand out. And he talked about it too. And I was asking him about him. There's a lot of wide receivers who are 185, 190, but he's 215, and he's super put together, and yet can do I think all the things that some of those smaller receivers can do in terms of the speed. And he's got that physicality; he can run all the routes. And I think he's shown up here in that in bowl prep where he's starting to make more plays. But he, I, I admire his honesty for him talking about that he. He felt like he lost his conference confidence earlier in the season. And he would hang his head when he made a bad play. And I asked whether he felt like coach Witted saw that. And he said that he thought that he could, but, but there came a point mid season where it started to come together. And he said, he was talking to his family. Like he would call his mom every day. And I don't know whether he was considering not being here or not, but I mean, that that's kind of the time when you, you start to really think about things, but He realized he needed to do more to give himself a chance. It sort of reminds me of what Julius Davis said earlier in the season where guys, things aren't going your way. And you have to ask, am I doing everything I can to put myself in position to, to catch the attention of the coaches and and Marcus, give him credit for a true freshman to do that, which is not easy because you come in and you're the man in high school and you're not playing at all early on. That can be tough.
0: Did he mention Cephas? Was that him that mentioned Cephas?
1: I didn't hear it, but, um, he may have, uh, when you were there.
0: Yeah, so just because of his body style, right? Like, I mean, Quintez was really put together, um, and he was he was six one, so he's a little bit smaller than Marcus. Like, I didn't realize how Marcus how big Marcus was until until yesterday, or yeah, until Thursday, because he is a he's a big kid, and I think uh, I think the Rutgers game gave him a lot of confidence. Asked him about the ankle because I for a minute there it looked like that was going to be something serious, but he said that he uh, he hurt his ankle, got a little high low, and said. That he has had some ankle issues throughout his career, and he had not taped up his ankles that day, for whatever reason. <laughs> and uh, Elvis Witted apparently comes to him every practice now and tells him to roll down his sock to see if that if he's uh, taped up or not, because <laughs> he's got he's got some ankle issues. So obviously Marcus Allen is going to be one that got, uh, stands out. Skylar Bell, the other uh, true freshman wide receiver that came in, a little dinged up, but uh, this year a little bit of a slow start according to Witted. Uh, but he says you can see the athleticism, you can see the things that he's capable of doing. But, um, you know, missing fall camp kind of hurt. So spring is going to be big for him. I think uh, Stefan Bracey's another uh, another guy that's going to be uh, a big spring. He said he's different he's a little bit. He's twitchy. We saw, obviously, what he was able to do on on the kickoff return. Uh, we, he got a little bit of playing time at wide receiver in, in 2020 before he got hurt. But I think he does have he does a little bring a little bit something different than a lot of these other guys at, at wide receiver that they have. So uh, before we go any further, I, I guess I should mention that we did not get a, ta- a chance to talk with Gary Brown. He was uh, un- unfortunately unavailable on uh, on Wednesday. So we don't have anything specific about the running backs. But I wanted to go to uh, to tight end. What did you learn from Mickey Turner in talking to Mickey Turner?
1: Yeah, um, about some of the other guys. Um trying to think who we asked him about I Feel yeah. like it was almost everyone um yeah. i mean he's cam he's, large he was, yeah it was well with cam large um i mean he's got <laughs> so many tight ends were hurt uh yep it was it was a question about whether cam will wind up being a fullback and he felt like mickey feels like in wisconsin system it's a situation where cam can play some fullback but yet can also be a tight end like he can line up and uh in the backfield and block for a play. I mean, I I think that is a role we're going to see from him, but he didn't feel like he would be back in time for spring and the same with Cole Dokovic, who has been hurt. Um, So I I don't know. I think it's going to be a process in trying to figure out which of his tight ends he's going to have and how he uses them.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Like I asked him like, kind of like, who's going to get the first chance at, taking some of Jake Ferguson's reps. He says, you got to look at the guys that have experience, whether it's uh, Eschenbach, Clay Cundiff, who he said he believes, believes, will be able to take part in spring ball coming off that really ugly leg injury against Iowa. Hayden Rucci has, has played some, but he was obviously dinged up much of this year. And then you got Jalen Franklin. They've all been in the game. He said serious reps, multiple games in a row. He mentioned Cam Large uh, as as well. And then there's Koldakovich and Jack Pugh. Uh, but he also said that, you know, if you have, a, you knew what Jake was going to give you on a daily basis, but if mm-hmm. these other guys, if you have a day off, that may move you down a slot, like just an off one off day may move you down a slot on the depth chart. And so he said, you can't have off days, which is uh, rather challenging, <laughs> yeah. especially, especially for, <laughs> especially for young guys. Cause you're just not, it's hard to bring that every single day.
1: Of so. the guys that have been hurting out, Mickey said that Hayden would be the first one that he gets back. So I suppose that's good news on that front. I mean, I think Eschenbach is going to wind up being your top pass catcher among the tight ends. I think if Rucci's healthy, he's probably your best blocker. And if Cundiff is healthy, he gives you a little bit of both. Um, just if I if I look at the tight end group, I feel like those could be the guys. But And Cam Large as well. It's just who's going to be healthy.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, let's let's flip over to the other side of the ball. Again, we don't. There's there's not a a ton of new things at defensive line, right? Like, you lose Matt Henningson and you lose Bryson Williams, but you're getting Keanu Benton back. You get Isaiah Mullins back. You're getting Rodus Johnson and James Thompson Jr. and Gio Piaz. Like some of these guys that have, you know, not played a ton, but I, I think those top four have have played a bunch, and I think for the most part have played well the, the, the addition of key or just the, i guess the re-edition or i don't even know how you would say it just the the return of keanu benton is just so huge for that group overall it doesn't put as much pressure on a guy like Gio paez to be ready to play right right away like it, it or not even right away but to be forced into action a ton next year with keanu back i think Gio, Gio may may play that bryson williams role where he kind of backs up keanu and then uh, also maybe get some time in the nickel but for the most part I, your, your rotation is uh is not going to change a ton from this year. But you're looking for guys like James Thompson Jr. and Rodas Johnson to to take that next step and and go from being role players to being more consistent uh, aspects of the rotation.
1: Those are the two that would stand out to me, the guys that would say you're going to take another step. And it was a big step for each of them this year because they got into the rotation. They were – I mean, even in fall camp, they were basically working with the twos. So no question it's a huge deal for them to get Keanu back. And I, I, I really don't have very many concerns about the defensive line. I just feel like they're going to do what they do. There's a lot of young guys, a lot of names of people who haven't played. I would be, I would be more interested to see what happens with the inside linebackers if Leo decides to turn pro. Holy yeah. Smokes, there's a lot of names of guys there that really haven't played very much.
0: Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt. You look at so I asked Bob Bo said about that. He's like, you know, obviously not going to have Jack Sanborn. Mike Mascaloon is gone as well, potentially. Leo Chanel so he said it's it's a it's a young group. Jordan Turner, Tatum Grass, Muma, uh Jack Ch- uh, Jake Cheney, Jake Ratsloff, Brian sanborn like you have all these all these names of guys that they recruited and 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 like but it would be a uh significant turnover at that spot.
1: Yeah, I think that's an understatement. Um Thank you. <laughs> I we'll see what happens with Leo. I mean, uh, the talent is there but these are a bunch of guys that – and Bob boasted. another thing I've noticed is he doesn't generally like to talk about young guys who haven't done much yet. I, I have, was talking to Ratzlaff, and um, he was one of those young guys that I talked to, and so I tried to ask Bob about him, and you know, he talked about – he's got long arms, and but he just – Bob doesn't usually like to, to hype guys up or even really talk about them if they haven't done anything on the field yet. Yeah, no, he
0: said uh, – I asked him if any of the young guys stood out to him. He goes, I don't know if that's a fair question. Um, <laughs> Because he goes, you know, you have to get real time and get them out there and playing. So he's like, yeah, obviously Jordan Turner had those two interceptions. That sticks out a little bit, but it's, I mean, it was how much does it mean when it's uh, in, in, in the games that it happened in and uh, Muma had some opportunities and, uh, but there's so much more to it. He said, like uh, there's playing an entire game, playing at the level that you need to play at. That's what we're working on right now. But I, I it's, it's clear that they like Tatum grass. He's, mm-hmm. he has played. Um, it's obviously Jordan Turner, I think would be that next guy in if Leo comes back, I would think in my opinion, it's, it would be Jordan Turner and Leo. If Leo doesn't come back today, right now, I would say Jordan Turner and Tatum grass. But I think that there's a lot of time and the guy that I think really sticks out or I, I, people have talked about is Jake Retzlaff because yeah. of how good he was in, uh, in high school and just the different things that he was asked to do, he's a little bit of a smaller guy right now, right? Like he's still trying to put on the weight to get to where he needs to be. Uh, but I asked Josh Seltzner about him because he goes up against him on scout team all the time. And he said, he's just so quick and disengages, doesn't let guys get his hands, uh, offensive line and get their hands on him, which is obviously what they want to do. He's really good at shedding. And so I think that there's really high expectations for him. And I know it's, it's early, but where, where was his mind at?
1: I mean, it's a long way to go. This is the first year that he's ever only played football. I think people need to remember that because he was such a great hockey player. This time of year, he'd be transitioning into hockey. And I I think, and he talked about it too, this offseason is going to be huge for him because he said in hockey, the lifts that they do in the weight room are basically, they're almost completely the opposite of what you would do for For football, because you're you're a little bit leaner, you're working on different muscles, you're trying to make sure that you're ready for a 50 or 60 game hockey season. And in football, you're trying to bulk up, you're trying to get stronger. And this this is the first time that he's going to have a full offseason devoted to, to football. So I think there's tremendous upside with him. He was incredible on the football field in high school. And he's got one thing that I do think separates him, though, is he's he's kind of like I don't know if lanky is the right word, but he's got super long arms. And so he's he's athletic and he's able to be very disruptive in a way that I think other guys in his position aren't. But like a lot of these young guys, it's a process. But I I think, uh, yeah, he's got a chance to be really special.
0: The other spot that has an opening in the starting lineup would be at outside linebacker where Noah Burks has been the last couple of years. Obviously, uh, Isaiah Green may didn't get a ton of playing time, and now he uh, transferred on and went to, I believe, Northern Illinois, where Thomas Hammock is, the former Wisconsin running backs coach who just won a MAC title there. But so those two guys move on. There are a ton, a ton of bodies there to mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to, to to sift through. But I think one guy that has stood out was was uh, uh, Daryl Peterson. Asked Logan Brown about him, and he said he's just crazy strong like he's not an overly big guy he's like 6'2" but he is just just ridiculously strong, ridiculously quick, really good hands. Um uh, but there are there are a number of other guys at that at that spot too. Aaron Witt, right? Uh, CJ Gets. There's there's a there's a bunch of different names there that could potentially potentially take over that starting spot next year. I think if we were tomorrow, it probably be Gets, but mm-hmm. um you know, I think Spencer Lytle probably will play uh, a role in trying to figure that out too.
1: Yeah, Nick Herbert, clearly one of the starters I put gets there right now. But Aaron Witt is a name to watch because he was in position to make a huge jump this year based on how coaches talked about him, based on how he played late last season, and he was hurt. And so you just wonder how much will that set him back as he's trying to compete against some of these other guys. The two other names that would stand out to me, Daryl Peterson, as you said, and then Caden Johnson as well. Caden was a four-star from Minnesota and a couple of recruiting classes ago there is a lot of talent there, a lot of unproven talent. I really do like Daryl Peterson, but Daryl and, and Caden were a couple of the guys that I talked to as well. Um, Daryl was a defensive lineman in high school. He was a defensive end and it's he was sack. just an absolute sack machine. The yes. dude would get, I think he got off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it was like 38 and a half sacks over his last two high school seasons. Just absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he flashed a little bit in fall camp. There was a stretch where we had a chance to watch and he was even there. I think it was with the second team defense. Now that was, just giving someone a look, he hasn't necessarily been a second team guy throughout this season. But there's a lot to like about him, and I think he's got a chance to make a move as well and, and get into the 2D for sure.
0: And, and obviously, another name, TJ Bowlers. He'll have an opportunity in spring as well. Uh, that I'm anxious to see what spring practice looks like because there's just so much young talent at some of these spots that we haven't necessarily seen since, or we haven't seen since fall camp. So uh, th- that's the outside linebacker spot. Got a chance to talk with Hank Poteet about his room where he's going to lose senior, uh, where he's going to lose Caesar Williams and he may lose Fayon Hicks after that. It's a lot of young guys, right? But young guys that have some experience, whether it's Alexander Smith or Dean Ingram or Samar Melvin, like there, there are some names there that of guys that have experience, but he said that it's, it's experience, but it's not up and down, um, trustworthy experience I guess is the is the Mm -hmm. word that he used
1: yeah if uh if Hicks leaves your top three it's it's Ingram Smith and and Melvin um and then a bunch of guys that that haven't really played you know Max Lofi Ricardo Hallman Al Ashford and they've got the the two corners that we mentioned coming on scholarship with with Jones and Lide so Amon Williams too don't want to forget him um but I don't know what that group is going to look like. I think that's the type of group where if you're uh, an opposing offense next season, you want to test them because you don't know exactly what they can do. Yeah,
0: I uh, asked about Ricardo Holman because he did he did get some playing time this year, uh, obviously in blowout situations, but said he's got a lot of upside, explosive, twitchy, good feet, but he's young. He's still learning the game, and he could be inconsistent. Um, he wants to prove that he can be a guy that's dependable, and that's kind of what uh, Hank Poteet is looking at for that spot. But again, it, like for a long time, I mean, it's been three years now where Caesar Williams and fayon Hicks have been the guys for the most part, obviously in 2019, to an extent, sometimes Deron Harrell was out there. Jim Leonard seemed to um, mess with guys, but, you know, throw a bunch of different guys in there. And obviously uh, Rashad wild goose too, uh, starting in the slot, but, you know, for the most part of these last, especially the last two years, it's been fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams that have been out there more than anybody else. So, uh, losing those two is going to make this defense look a lot different. Losing those two at safety is going to make things look a lot different with uh, Colin Wilder and Scott Nelson. Wilder obviously not going to be able to play in the bowl game, which really sucks for him. His final his final snap was the targeting call against Minnesota and the game. And it was actually the play he got hurt on too. Stretched some ligaments attached to his spine. They're going to heal on their own but they need six weeks to do so, and it's six weeks from the time that the hit happened. so it's probably going to be in early early January where he's going to start being able to do some work, but that means he's going to miss the bowl game, which was really unfortunate. Scott Nelson also said that he has uh, uh, decided not to come back for a six year. so it's going to be a brand-new group there. John Torchio has played a bunch this year. Trayvon Blaylock's gotten some playing time. But I think the name that everyone is talking about is Hunter Woller. Talked to to Marcus Allen. He said he thinks he's going to be the next biggest thing on the defense. He said, uh, Jim Leonard said that sky's the limit for Hunter. So I I think it's a different group, but I'm really excited to see Hunter in a full-time position or a potentially full-time position.
1: No question about it. I mean, it's Torchio, Blaylock, and Woller are the three that that stand out. Preston Zachman is still there, but he's someone who transitioned from a different position. Woller has been – he comes from a winning program – He's been able to pick things up very quickly this year. In high school, I've talked to him before about this. He only played in the post. He really didn't have a lot of other responsibilities. And in Wisconsin's defense under Leonard, you've got to do a little bit of everything. So I think it's been an adjustment, but it didn't take very long for him to show what he could do. Um, I mean, even in the, the snaps that he's gotten, sure, it's not first quarter of a big game against the ones, but he's making plays. There was one where he came off the edge and he got a sack. It just doesn't it doesn't take very long for him to show up and make those types of plays. And I think that's going to give him a chance potentially to work his way into a starting job. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see how it all shakes out, but no matter what, he's going to get a lot of snaps next year.
0: He definitely is. And uh, Jim Leonard actually said that uh, he had a, he had a conversation with him about midway through the season. And Hunter said, I get it. It makes sense now because he was seeing a lot of different offenses really for the first time early in, uh, uh, you know, in game plans, but, he thinks uh, that from that point on the speed continued to rise and his confidence continued to rise that um, he was going to be able to do what he wants to do. So excited, very excited for his future. Jim Leonard said that about uh, Hunter Woller, who, again, I think uh, was one of the, I mean, him and Braylon Allen were both four-star safeties, but obviously Braylon Allen was not going to be a safety. So, how many? How often do you get that four-star safety from inside the state to come and, and potentially be the <laughs> player that he is? Right, like it doesn't happen. Um, He's Woller the first, was the isn't first
1: he? yeah, was the first four-star safety from this state in the online ranking era, and Braylon was the second. And obviously, Braylon's now at running back. That is an interesting point you mentioned about Hunter saying that he gets it now because one of the other things that Jim has talked about mid-season was, and he was specifically referring to Hunter, but some other young guys as well. That when you go through a season it'll get to like Thursday or Friday, the end of the week in terms of game prep. And he'd be like, okay, I understand everything that I need to do. And as the season went along, it became earlier and earlier in the week to the point that it was by Monday or by Tuesday, Hunter would understand everything that needed to happen. And that's part of the transformation that has to take place when you're a young player because of how difficult it is to learn the playbook and all the concepts that Leonard asked his guys to do. I, I think he's going
0: to be a really good player here. And uh, obviously was on special teams a bunch this year and we'll see um, exactly what that looks like in the spring, but it, it is going to be a different defense and so I, I, I think when Leo, Leo Chanel says it could be special, I don't know if it can be like special this year special, right? Like it feels like that'd be asking a bunch.
1: yep, I, I don't disagree. I mean this is the best defense in the country it's certainly statistically number one in total defense, number one in run defense and it's because they've got some serious dudes and they're going to be losing a lot of them.
0: That said, there's a lot of talent there still. And a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of young talent that they've been able to recruit, whether it's, whether it's a, a, a Peterson or a Woller or a Bowlers or a, a Caden Johnson or a, the inside linebacker room as well in the corners too. So I, I think there's talent that they've a lot of talent they've been able to add on defense and it's still going to be a good group, but it is going to look uh, a lot different, especially if a guy like Fayon Hicks leaves or, uh, Leo Chanel decides to leave as well. So we'll see, uh, Wisconsin going to be back in the practice field or has been on the practice field this week. They'll be back uh, again next week and then, uh, head to Las Vegas to face Arizona state. I believe they're leaving on Christmas Eve. They're going to be out there a week and, uh, we'll be out there as well. Going to try and do a show while we're out there. Uh, but we'll be back before that. Uh, Paul, Chris is going to speak on Monday and then, uh, players will speak on Tuesday. We'll probably do no show in the middle of next week, uh, and preview, um, the Las Vegas bowl and and maybe some more of what we've learned from uh, some of these guys. But uh, Jesse, anything you wanted to add before we, uh, before we head out?
1: I think we're good, man.
0: All right. Appreciate it Uh, until next time you've been listening to the camp here on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network.